We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Setting the Pace, making his Setting the Pace debut. It's been in the works for probably a year or so now. He is the voice of the Indiana Pacers for the home games. He is the PA announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, Troy Pepper. Troy, what's going on, my man? What's going on, Alex? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying the uh, offseason and just trying to speed up time till we get to October, man. That's all I'm doing, man. Yeah, I know. So Troy is a Pacer fan, first and foremost. But he did tell me before we came on that he is the biggest LeBron James fan there is. So yes. he is uh Pacer fans. If you don't like LeBron James, well, I can see why you might be frustrated with hearing this, but I, I respect <laughs> that Troy was so open about it, not hiding it. Just, Hey, I love it. Yeah, listen, listen, I'm not going to hide it, man. And you know, so crazy when we played them, uh, my first year announcing, um, I had about five or six tweets because, you know, you can't show passion to the visiting team. You know, you gotta be a jerk uh, to let them know. I hate them. And, I got like five tweets. Troy hates LeBron. I'm like, no, I do not hate LeBron. I love LeBron. But I couldn't say that. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. I'm just going <laughs> to let them think I hate that man. I'm doing my job well. Man, that's <laughs> oh, man, that's great. So let's just go ahead and get into it. I sent Troy a, a handful of questions today to kind of just pick his brain, kind of figure out where he got started and all that stuff. So I'm just curious, how long have you been the PA announcer for the Pacers? And I noticed that you're not there all the time because I know you have other duties as well. Um, who was the person that shares a role with you when you can't attend the games? Yeah, so when I'm out of the game, we uh, bounce between a guy named Sean Sullivan, man, who uh, does the fever as well. I do the fever as well. Uh, as far as this offseason, I'm doing them for the summer. It's going to be fun, me and Sean, um, sharing the role. But Sean Sullivan does it when I'm not there. And uh, it's good to have second voices because my schedule for my regular job, his schedule, man, this stuff works out, having somebody with you uh, along the way. So Sean Sullivan is the other great voice. If you're not hearing me, another great superstar himself helping out, definitely doing the role of the PA announcer. Awesome. And, and when did you start doing the PA announcing? So I started PA announcing for the Pacers um, 
I did PA announcing years ago, but for the Pacers, I started the 2021-22 season. Um, got a call. I literally auditioned out of, I don't know, hundreds of people videos. Got the call while I was in Disney World. I got the job. I screamed. I yelled. Somebody probably thought I won the lottery, but no. i just happy I'm a voice of an NBA team. So, man, <laughs> it's been uh, two seasons, and we're ready for the third one, man. We're ready. Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I want to talk about this because – I know that you've re or tried to, I think you've done a pretty good job. I mean, from when I've been there and I haven't heard it a ton because obviously it's mostly when you're winning the game and there's big momentum shifts, stuff like that. But the last part of the season was kind of hard to get that. You're trying to bring back Grady's Indy and a champ. And I think that it slowly started to catch on probably about midway through the season. Yeah. Uh, I would hear it a little bit sometimes through my broadcast from Chris and Quinn on the television, but are there any other chance or anything else that you'd like to bring to this fan base to get them more involved? Because I think one of the coolest things that I've seen all year long was the Sacramento Kings when their PA announcer says Keegan and the entire crowd says his last name Murray after Keegan Murray made baskets. So I'm just curious. Do you have anything up your sleeve like that? Man, we're working on something. Uh, we're, we're trying to possibly do something with Tyrese, uh, his name, uh, they, the people seem to love how I do Tyrese's name um, and maybe something with Miles, but be on the lookout, man. It's because I remember for the whole indie thing, man, it, it they didn't want me to do it at first, really. You know, it was kind of like, ah, nah, it's Grady's thing. I reached out to Grady. Grady's like, yeah, bro, do that thing. I was like, cool. Grady said, do it. So when we were in first season, it was pretty tough because we were, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> we were losing a lot. But the first half of the season, we try to be, get a big push for it. Uh, but we're working on some stuff, man. Uh, we're going to see how creative we can get, especially, you know, we're hosting All-Star this year. You know, there's oh, going to yeah. be a lot of excitement this year for the Pacers and high expectations as well. But um, we're, we're working on some stuff. Just trust me. Just yes. trust me. Will you Will you be the one announcing for the All-Star weekend, or will they bring somebody in from the NBA? So here's the thing. It's it real political. Um, so our um, VP and president of operations, you know, told me basically, yo, we got all-star. Um, you're doing one of those days. Either it's dunk contest, either it's the game or it's a celebrity game. You're doing something. They said, uh, so be prepared. So I'm just like, anytime I'm selected, that means I am a, when you, next time on the podcast, you have to call me an all-star PA announcer. You okay. Know, uh, I like that. That's, that's the title that I'm a rock with, man. But, uh, we're going to see where I land, but I will be participating uh, with the functions of, man, the All-Star Weekend. I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a wide spectrum there from Celebrity All-Star Game to the actual All-Star Game. So you never know where they're going to put you, but the All-Star Game yeah. would probably be a dream come true. Oh, man. Especially if you get to see LeBron as an All-Star as well again, since he's your guy. <laughs> yeah, we got a special handshake, I think, uh, in my head, though. In, my in your head. head. Okay. <laughs> All right, babe. Well, let me ask you this, because to me, it felt like the crowds have – increasingly gotten better since the beginning of 2021-2022 when Rick Carlisle first took over. So how have you noticed the crowds over the last couple of years, and do you think that you've seen a much more, I guess you could say, into-the-game fan base? Yeah, I think we're. I would go along the lines that we do see much of an engagement from the crowd uh, since I've took over, but I've been going to Pacer games for years. I've seen at the high peaks of the 2011-12, you know, Paul George, Roy Hibbert days, Packed out, sold out Miami. I was at all those playoff games, man, um, to see it where I get on PA announcer. It's almost like I'm talking to myself. Um, so I've seen the highs and lows, but I, I definitely see the momentum that is growing uh, from 
what we have because we have a young nucleus. And I think, like, I remember, you know, the first half of the season of when I first started, 2021, you know, we were, we were pretty bad, man. It was, it was, it was tough. We get a trade. We see some young, young, fascinating players, Halliburton, Buddy Hill come in. And I remember that game, February 11th, it was like a spark that hit the arena. We had, I remember I heard one of our marketing guys say, well, we got more people than we thought we were going to get. Uh, for this game because everybody was excited to see the new fresh faces. And I remember February 11th against the Cavaliers, the first play of the game. Get the tip off, Cavaliers shoot, they miss. Within nine seconds, Halliburton to Buddy, Buddy to O'Shea, dunk. And the crowd's like, whoa, this is a different pace. And uh, and I'm like, oh, I can, get, I can get excited this game. Here we go, here we go. So it was like a different buzz that was in the arena. And I think that was like a sample you know, to what is to come and led us to this, you know, this season I thought was, I think we exceeded expectations mm-hmm. and um, it, it's it's definitely a different impact. You see more Pacer jerseys now than season past because you only saw visiting teams for a while, mm-hmm. man, star players and, you know, all that stuff. But yeah. I definitely see momentum and I think we're on the right track as far as attendance, man, especially going to next season for sure. That's great to hear because you don't want to see opposing uh, jerseys in your arena. No, I know the Pacers no. probably have some cheaper tickets comparatively to other teams around the league, but like that, that's just like you, you're going to get your Bulls fans. You're going to get your fans that are fans of Giannis and Steph and all that kind of stuff, LeBron. But you're right. We need to see more Pacers jerseys than we see opponents. I love that. Um, what are some rituals you have with the players before the game? I know, I know we talked last time, maybe on the article that I did with you, the QA about Buddy Hill, Jury ritual with him and him shooting a little like uh was it like the paper thing or whatever or the yeah it's just a floor mat so the little sticky floor, floor mat, mat they yes. put their shoes on to get that grip yeah he he bounces around he'll do me he'll do the guy behind me it depends on what he's feeling that day so buddy healed um got a dap up thing with tyrese halliburton before he goes into game you make some eye contact with players like you know miles turn he'll give you the that's all he gives you that's it uh and then someone <laughs> like chris duarte uh even like rituals like before we can get the tip off, I would say prior, like uh, even in like warmups, traditions I do as far as talking to certain players, chit chat with them. It's like a ritual because uh, I go in the arena about 4 p.m. every time, I go over my script, talk to producers and all that good stuff. And then, you know, watch players warm up and talk to assistant coaches like Ronald Norred, uh, the head video guy, Isaac. We got him last year, came over with Tyler Tyrese, Isaac Jacob. Uh, he's our lead video coordinator talking to him and some of the other people as well. So I got a whole routine for us, rituals with players, as well as I mean, the people that make the Pacer organization great security, uh, mm-hmm. DJs. I mean, it's a big family, man. It's a big family. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, there's so many great halftime shows that I think are under the radar and you know, there's, there's the big ones, but I'm curious, what is your favorite halftime show that you've gotten to see? Okay. I got two. Okay. I would say number one, she will always have a place in my heart. Red Panda. Red Panda. Uh, I don't care how many times I've seen her. I get so nervous because the older <laughs> she gets, the more I'm like, okay, don't fall. Don't fall. And you know what she does? I feel like she every time she does it in Indiana, she drops one. And everybody's like, oh, then she does it again. But she does it on purpose, I think, just to get the crowd engaged. <laughs> and once she gets that last bowl to hit on top of her head, it's almost like we have a buzzer beater in the NBA Finals game. Like, that's how amazing her crowd control is. And then I will say my second one, man, would be Simon Says. Mm-hmm. 
his halftime show have me dying. I've never taken Simon Says so seriously, but that is a great game, and that is his name as well, so I think his is pretty cool too. He's gone viral a couple of times because it's it's hilarious, man. Yes, I love Simon Says as well, and I love Red Panda, so two great choices there. Uh, I want to talk about you now because let's just be honest. Your videos on TikTok have gone viral. The Pacers have used your TikTok videos for promotions, and the one reaction we got that was incredible was the Aaron Neesmith dunk against the Cavs on Jared Allen where you gave that face. And now I see that face posted all the time as Pacer memes because Pacer fans are like, my reaction to this. And so I'm just curious. Talk to me about how you decided to start posting TikTok videos of what you're doing and how you blew up. Man, I would say it wasn't my idea. My brother, he's a big Pacer fan, NBA junkie, was like, dude, why don't you post reactions? I was like, what? It's the reactions, like you seeing people. Because I was posting like behind the scenes. People tend to like that content. But he was like, dude, your reactions are, are hilarious and ugly. I said, like, is that an insult? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about, man? So I was like, all right, I'll post them. I did a post. The first one I did was like Jalen Smith, uh, a no-look pass from uh, Halliburton. And uh, crazy, Halliburton saw that one. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I just kept posting. And then I remember the one I had kind of went viral first was a Buddy Hill crossover on Otto Porter against the Raptors. And I started getting buzzed for that. That's when Pacers marketing was like, yo, we like that. And they liked the one I did with Ben Maverick with the, with the uh, windmill preseason. Can we use some of your stuff instead of go ho- GoPro there? I said, come on, man. The more the merrier, baby. Let's do it. And so, man, I say end of October, November, they set it up. And then they kept putting it there. And I'm like, man, are, are the Pacers going to post it? I'm like, what's going on? And then the head video guy was like, we're waiting for that one. We're just waiting, man. Lo and behold, Aaron Neesmith, was that December 26th or whatever? Dunk on Jared Allen. That was the one that was like genuine because I didn't know he could even do that. We can mm-hmm. talk about him later. He, he exceeded my expectations. But his athleticism, man, from the whole stat crew, from Dean, who's next to me, and everybody else is like, and my reaction, putting my head on my head at the same time, Tyrese put his head on his head. It's just, I think that video now has like almost 2 million views on Instagram and like, it's crazy. And that was kind of, Pacer fans knew who I was, but that really kind of put it like, submitted like, okay, that's the guy with the voice. And uh, I get recognized in the streets, random stores. I got recognized even yesterday. I was getting some White Castles. Guy says, yo, you're on TikTok. I was like, "Uh, yeah. And then he knew who I was. So it's just, that video right there, man, just, blew up man it's just and it's, it's who i am i'm expressive man i love the game and i'm a, I'm a fan first of the pacers then that's, i work for them that's which great it's so amazing man that's awesome and yeah you got to do something where you're like uh do you follow me on twitter and if they do give them like 10 bucks or something like that like a gift card just like whatever because i've seen a lot of videos where people do that they're like let's go up to people in the mall and they're like Hey, are you following me on Instagram or TikTok? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could totally do that with Pacer stuff. I think it'll work out for you pretty well. But I think the reaction videos have been great. I do like the behind the scenes stuff too, where you're kind of videoing pregame rituals and stuff like that from opponents and stuff like that. But uh let, let's just talk about it. How eager are you to be able to call a playoff series? Man, um as eager as a fish needs water, <laughs> as a bird needs its wings. As a kangaroo needs this hop, I am eager, man, to call a playoff game. I remember I started the season, I said to my brother, 
this might be the year. And then we go first half of the season. I think we, I don't know, 23 and 17 or 18. 23 and 18, yep. And I'm like, April? We're not planning a vacation, honey, because we're going to the playoffs. You know, I don't care <laughs> if it's a first-round exit. I don't even care if it's a playing game. I just want that atmosphere because Pacer fans, during playoff time, it's a whole nother world, man. Mm. It's the energy's there, sold-out crowd. And you're talking about a chance to do the indie. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's just, I was very, I'm very eager, man. And I think we're on the, we're on, we're on the road in development to get to that place. But um, I'm, I'm desperate, man. I'm desperate, man. I, I will say probably the last series I've been to was, I think it was game six against the Toronto Raptors when the Pacers won that game six and forced the game seven in Toronto. Andrew Luck was in the building sitting courtside. I uh, actually met him after the game as I was walking to my vehicle he was walking to get his bike because he rode those Pacers bikes from downtown to wherever he was at. And uh, I was like perpendicular with him. And I met him right around where that Qdoba is on Delaware and didn't really ask for anything. I just shook his hand and just said, Hey, introduce myself or whatever. And uh, it was pretty awesome. I won't lie, but that atmosphere, it was insane. It was a really fun game and there's nothing like a home crowd at the playoffs. And Even even in a first round series uh, loss, it, it's still like the energy is just there because people are excited. It's just like the what if aspect of everything. Absolutely, and even if we lose, like you said, that energy that is happy will turn into anger. But it's just passion, mm-hmm. and it's just there. Like every out of bounds play or a ref calls a bad call, you're like, yo yo, the fans are yelling with you. Ref, That's one you thing suck. I had to learn as a PA <laughs> announcer to not show my expressions. When plays I feel shouldn't go a certain way, I yeah. learned it the hard way. I'm like, okay, let me just hold my composure, man, because I'm such a fan, man, and it's just, whew, I gotta balance the fan and the professional. That's a tough spot. Um, and I'm sure that is tough, uh, <laughs> tough for sure. Um, do you ever have interactions with any of the officials? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the crazy, one of the first videos that went viral too on TikTok was my behind the scenes of referees. And, uh, man, they're just average guys, man. Average guys and girls. Typical cool people. It's like a little community um, with the stat crew, like the shot clock guy, our, our our time guy, you know, our replay guy. We all sit next to each other. I hang with these guys. These are great friends of mine now. Like, they're like family. And the referees are part of that family of stat crews at every arena. Because you see them after a while, after my second season, I'm like, I know these guys. Mm-hmm. What's up, Tony brothers? What's up, Mark? <laughs> What's up, James Williams? What's up, man? Or Ashley uh, uh, Moyer Gleach. Or, like, they know my face. I know them. I, I'm a social guy. And, uh, yeah, I think my favorite referee probably to talk to, I'll probably say Mark Davis. Okay. Mark Davis or not, uh, not Scott 20... Foster. <laughs> talk you know to me about say, Scott Foster. Let me say something about Scott Foster, man. You know, when I first saw him, like, you see him on TV all the time. And then I remember my first game I had with him. I think he did. I don't know who he played. It was my first season. I'm like, oh, that's Scott Foster. Just as he acts towards players, kind of straightforward, he does the same thing with the stat guys. Hey, how you doing? You see, he's kind of short. Doesn't really, nothing personal. He's like, I'm here to do the job and leave. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like, but some referees take the job as it's a family environment. We all work for the NBA. Let's all be friends. No, Foster, God, no. It's just like, just straight to the point. And I'm like, you know what? That's who you are, buddy. That's who you are. And every time he refs the Pacers, Carlisle goes off on some call. It's just, something happens every single time, man. It's just like, but you know what? Hey, 
Scott Foster, I guess he's one of the best. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I love that. I love the honesty there. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm sure that as a as a as an official, it's probably hard, no matter what, because no matter what call you make, someone's gonna be unhappy with oh, yeah. it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, that, and that's the tough part too. And uh, at the end of the day, you're like, I'm joking, being facetious, but man, they're just doing a job as the best they can. I think it's the hardest job uh to do refing an NBA game because the fast pace, mm-hmm. the players, you know, some of them, you know, the calls of you know the traveling and some stuff, the game has changed. It's so fast-paced now with threes and all that. And I think it's a hard – it's it's a tough job, man. And you'll never have a perfect season as a ref. Mm-hmm. Just like you never have a per- perfect year with your job. Everybody makes mistakes. But you just happen to have 15,000 people watching you while you do your job. It, that mm-hmm. just makes it hard. So, But I, I respect referees. Some stuff I feel like, man, they got to make a decision. And sometimes it's the wrong one. But, hey, you got to – on to the next play. That's their whole mentality. One thing mm-hmm. I remember uh, Mark Davis said is on to the next play. He said, it's, it's just if I just dwell on that one, I'll mess up the next call. Yeah. Just on to the next play. So it's just that mentality as ref. And it's just, it's hard to even be an NBA ref. People don't understand that. It's it's tough. I know guys who've been doing Big Ten for years couldn't even touch a G League game. So it's like, it's a tough thing. And those that are on there, it's just, you got a lot of millions of fans that are giving you scrutiny. So it's just a tough spot, tough spot. Yeah, as my basketball coach used to tell us, short-term memory loss. Don't don't hold on to what just happened. Keep it moving and move on to the next play. I love that. Um, let me ask you this. Best part of the job is? The best part of the job is helping a first-time fan's experience because I feel like it's the most rewarding and best thing because you know, 20, 15,000, 20,000 people in the arena, it's going to be somebody's first game. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a mother who's 43 with her kids taking their son, whether it's a nine-year-old fan of Stephen Curry or whoever, it's like I have a responsibility to give them that experience because I don't remember, you know, my first Pacer game. I just remember – I don't remember who we played. I remember the popcorn, the pretzels. I remember a deep voice over the intercom, and that was my experience. I'm like, man, this is a Pacer game, and I feel like it's an honor to be able to provide that to first-timers as well as season ticket holders and fans, period, in general. And uh, I think that's the best part, helping the NBA experience. That's my favorite part of the game. That That's awesome, man. I love that answer because you could have went a lot of different ways with that. And I like that you brought it back to the fans because without the fans, there's no energy in the building. The game no. is very boring. We saw what the COVID games look like. <laughs> they desperately missed fans. Fans make the game so much better. And I love that you, you know, you noticed that. Cause I mean, a lot of people might've said, Hey, you know, the best part is being able to call the, the, the game for the team that I love, because if you're a Pacer fan, like I'm sure that's part of it, but like also. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that, that, that well, well, it's the fan part. And then it's just the, the, the access, man. I think the access is my first game. I go in there, I walk in there, man. And with my badge, I'm going through the locker room area, going through the tunnel. Nobody's stopping me. I go on the court, and I'm like, nobody has told me to get off. Like, as a fan, you're looking yeah. at the banners, and I, it's just, I still get goosebumps. Like, going out to the center of the court, looking at an empty arena, and seeing it gradually fill up, it's it's still a pinch-me moment. I'm one of 32. Yeah. It's 30. still it's one still, of 30. 32 is yeah. yeah, 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 period. And I was like, it's it's... It's rare. I don't know how it happened to me, but I think it's a favor of God. And uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's an amazing thing, man. 
I love it, man. I got two more questions for you here before I let you go. I've been asking let's a lot, but uh, let's get to it. Last two questions. What player has the best pregame workout routine and why? Uh, and, and you can even talk about maybe an, an opponent as well. I would say for the Pacers, um, they all have great routines. I love TJ McConnell's routine, but I think my favorite, probably Buddy Hill, because mm-hmm. Buddy Hill knows what he's good at. He knows what he's paid to do, and he's definitely, it's, it's that three pointer. And that's why he shoots 40%. Like, a lot of players work on their dribbles. He does dribbles, drills, mid-range. But you watch Buddy's whole 15-minute, 20-minute workout, it's going to be more than majority threes. Because, yeah. But he does it in different angles, like different ways. He catches it. He'll catch it on one foot. He'll catch it on two. He'll catch it spinning. He'll catch it going corner, like tippy-toes on the side. Like, he does every single aspect of how I could possibly catch this ball and shoot it. And I think that's – he doesn't miss, man, in pregame. It's, it's, it's really – people don't understand how good an NBA player is. It's, they, they are professionals for a reason. Yeah. Like, if I shot 43s, I would hit three. He would hit 39. Like, it's just <laughs> levels to YMCA, LA Fitness, and that. So, Buddy Hills is good. I like Derrick Rose's um, pregame. His okay. is pretty different. He has a four-and-a-half-pound warm-up ball that he's been having since Chicago days. And he does not – he said, I wouldn't be in the league without this ball. Because I asked him, I said, man, what kind of ball is that? And he starts explaining to me. He said, it's like a weighted ball he used for dribbling drills. And he said, this actually helped me with my trainer in uh, Chicago, how to shoot my form. And that's kind of how he redefined his career. Because he said, I couldn't jump like I used to or run. He said, so this taught me how to shoot. And you look at his percentages – from Chicago, you know, MVP days to now, he he can shoot three. Mm-hmm. He has a good mid range, so his is very, very interesting. Man, I'm surprised nobody's done like a story on that. But it's it's a it's an yeah. interesting looking ball. I was gonna say I haven't heard anything about that, so that's really unique. I thought I thought you might say somebody like Steph, just because his. You know what? Everybody goes for Steph. Steph, yeah. it's just it's unreal. It's it is what you see on TV. I sat courtside the first time just to watch it, and my mouth is like. I mean, he's not even trying to hit a half-court shot, but I saw him in six in a row. Oh I'm not even exaggerating. Like, it's – and half the arena was filled already mm. just to see that man pregame. That's now, crazy. him – and I he has the most crowd in a pregame is Stephen Curry. Number two, I would say LeBron, of course. Who do you think number three as far as their fans and their cult following, that crowds that are waiting up prior, 60 minutes prior to the tip-off? I'm going to say it's probably a little surprising. I'm going to go Kyrie Irving. No. Nope. Ja Morant. Ja Morant. Oh, my God. He has a – I mean, I was shocked. I was like, where are all these people coming from? And it's like they want to see Ja Morant. Ja Morant probably had a third, I would say. Okay. Stephen Curry, his experience is just – it's a show, man. It's a show before a show. Gotcha, gotcha. That, I mean, Steph's an unreal. I mean, everybody's seen the videos all over YouTube. Social media, like what he does is just insane and it's so effortless. But that's what yeah. makes him so fun to watch too. Just an insane shooter. Easily the greatest shooter I think the NBA has ever seen. Um not even a close. shadow of a doubt. So <laughs> uh last question, man. Uh yeah. Let, let's talk about this Pacers team because I know you're employed by the Pacers, so we can't talk about like what you want to see them do in free agency and all that kind of stuff, because don't want to get you in trouble. But in terms of your expectation for this team moving forward, what are you expecting them to do and what areas do they need to improve upon to get to those next steps? I mean, I, I would say my, my expectation would be development is, is the biggest thing. Develop what we got. Um, 
I feel like we like the development of you know Tyrese Halliburton from 2022 to 2023 was was amazing. Him becoming an all star was shocking to me. Um, but the other shocker was Ben Matherin. Like, talk about a rookie campaign. I'm talking about the especially the first half of the season. We're like, what? I saw it in summer league. I'm like, okay, he's good. Preseason, I said, okay, we'll see what he does regular season. I'm like, okay, who is this kid? Like, who is this guy? And he's him. Trust me, his demeanor. Doesn't act like a 19, 20 year old. He, he's demeanorous of a 30 year old veteran that drinks coffee and tea at night. Like he's that type of maturity. But his development, Andrew Nimhart to me, I think we have a steal in the draft with Andrew Nimhart. Like it's it's an amazing Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith, and you know, Jordan War, even. I would say these guys exceeded my expectations as far as the um, ending of the season and my expectations for them to even grow. And I'm really interested to see, you know, where Ben Mathis and sophomore season goes. Um, even with Chris Duarte, you know, I know he was battling injuries. I was had high expectations for his uh, sophomore season, but we'll see what he does as well. But I think development is number one is what, what I'm expecting to see. Uh, but I have high goals, and I expect us – I think we can make a playoff run. Because uh, as we talked about earlier, I mean, we won 35 games. We were in a race, you know, for the play-in until mm -hmm. April. You know what I mean? So, and uh, we said, what, 23-18, first half of the season. So – I think the expectation for everybody else should be, you know, development, uh, get a good pick in the draft. Hopefully the the ball bounces a little higher than we uh, expect. Yeah. I mean, number one would be great, you know, but, you know, with much prayer, we can stuff can happen. <laughs> yeah, man, lots of prayer, lots of fasting, whatever you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sackcloth, <laughs> sackcloth and ashes and supplication. You know, a lot can happen with prayer, man. <laughs> we don't want to get too spiritual with people because <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you never know what people feel, but – I mean, honestly, I just think if we got Victor Wimbenyama in this on this Pacers team, like expectations that we have now are just like completely erased. It's all about like, oh my god, like how far can we go with this team? Because you know, it's it's funny. I was I was laughing because I I wrote an article with my top fifteen Pacers big board that I put out, and I just looked at fifteen players, and I'm you know I'm curious to see the Pacers. I think they'd make some sense for the Pacers if they were there on the board. And obviously, when Minyama is number one, and I had somebody comment back and say he's Darko Milicic 2.0, I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, no, or like, did you know? Fan right there. And they said, did you even know what they said about Darko when he was coming out? And I'm like, yes, I know what they said about Darko, but are, are you kidding me? I'm like, Victor Wembanyama is probably the most polarizing pick since LeBron James. This is how good this guy is. Darko was not even close to what no. LeBron James was getting coverage wise. No, no, that I mean, he's. I, I've never seen anything like that. That's yeah. that's not human. I it's I'm interested to see how his body frame, you know, you know, does his first rookie season. You know, as everybody learns, the NBA is very physical for skinny guys. But man, if we were to get him, Jesus, hey, I'll take Brandon Miller. <laughs> I'll take a lot of guys in the top eight. <laughs> I mean, take, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, School Henderson, give me uh, Taylor uh, uh, Hendricks. Oh my goodness! Like Thompson twins are like the most athletic in the class. I mean, Cam Whitmore, Jarris Walker. I mean, I'm telling you, the top eight of this class feels like a slam dunk. No even matter. to me, like, um, what's his name out of uh, Arkansas? Uh, Anthony Black. Yeah, Anthony Black. I mean, I, I would love to get a Ford. Um, I'm, I feel like we're guard heavy. Yes, uh, we are too guard heavy. Guard we, and we, center we heavy. Yeah, yeah. We we need a we need a Ford. We need yeah. a three and D, or give me a big body that has some soft touch. Uh, on the edges of mid-range and three-pointer. Mm. That's what we need. I hope we don't draft. We don't need a guard. We do not need a guard. 
No. And if we draft another time, guard. Was, there was a time we only drafted forwards for a long time. <laughs> I will say this. The only guard that I would take probably in the top eight for the Pacers or even top ten is Scoot Henderson. Oh, you don't pass that up. No, you don't pass up on a talent like that. I mean, clearly, I mean, I have Brandon Miller at number two on my big board just because for the Pacers, I think fit-wise, but I think talent-wise, Scoot has a much higher ceiling. I mean, Scoot. Oh, that's no, that's that's superstar. That's yeah. a that's that's freakish right there. Like, yeah, he's, he's number one. If when if, if Victor doesn't go number one, like yeah. he never was in this draft. Scoot mm-hmm. would be like the hot topic, and yeah. he's kind of going to below the radar right now. Like, a little bit. As far as media, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But, Troy, the way we end every podcast is we end it with a Let's Go Pacers. So I'm going to set you up. I want to hear your best Let's Go Pacers. So give it to me, Troy. Let me hear it. Let's go, Pacers! Yes, sir. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We going to need a mop. Smooth. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.